what are we supposed to do when we're in a situation like this, Matt? <laughs> I'm just watching my videos. Yeah. The lag. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is it's very distracting. I feel like I'm an animated GIF. Yeah. So we were doing a sound test before to answer your question. And I was saying I've stopped eating beans. Right. So here's. <laughs> did, did I go over this last time? I think I alluded to it. So if you remember from last time, I, w- I had to drive. I had to. I got the opportunity to get a fare car okay. when I was at Oscon. And then the last one, uh, it had, there was this guy, uh, Elaine. I don't know. He's French. And, and it turns out he like used to work at the People's Pharmacy as their head chef coming up with like healthy recipes and stuff. And he's all into the gluten and, and dairy-free because I guess if you go to a, uh, a compounding pharmacy, the chances are high that you're going to be one of these people. You know, sure. Yeah, worried yeah. about what you stick in your body. In particular. Sure. Sure. You've got needs. And, and so I w- he was telling me that he had this like paleo French cuisine thing. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. I've been for six years following the, uh, the Tim Ferriss diet where you uh, – I always feel embarrassed talking about it because Tim Ferriss. But like where you like eat – every meal you eat meat and vegetable and beans and then one day you don't. You know, you eat whatever you want. And I was like, so, you know, I, I eat a ton of beans and then there was this pause. And I was saying, you know, we're talking. He's like, I, I am, I'm concerned – about you eating a ton of beans, as you say, because <laughs> beans are carbohydrates. And so, so it was t- I was talking to him and I was thinking like, well, also I've been in this same like five pound weight band for about two years. I could, I could bring up the, the, uh, the dashboard if you're really interested. <laughs> oh, <whoa. laughs> I mean, you know, you got the internet of things, you track all this stuff. No, yet another thing I've blocked on Twitter. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> internet of things. That's probably a good idea. Uh, and, and so I was thinking, like, sure, I'll try that. So I read his book. It's pretty good. I'll put a link to it. It's, it's the, uh, what's it called? I, I linked to this last week, I think, but it's like the paleo French gourmet oh, thing. Okay. And, and like, you, the first half is actually pretty good. It could be better, of course. Uh, but it goes over, like, all the paleo history. And, like, since I grew up with a bunch of vegetarian. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Your driver was the author of this book? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. So apparently there's not a lot of money. In, wow. In, uh, in paleo French cuisine? Yeah. I and mean, he told me he had been trained classically. It must have been in the late 60s or As 70s. a chef? Like a chef? Yeah. He was trained by the number one pastry chef in Europe, in Belgium. And <laughs> like, so he was classically trained in so he French wrote a pastry. paleo book. Makes sense. Yeah. And yeah. He, he, told me, he told me a good anecdote. He said, uh, I'll, I'm just going to do a French accent because it's fun, not accurate. He was like, when, when I told Bernard or whatever his mentor's name was Bernard, I was going to America. He pretty much disowned me because he said, there is nothing in America. Right? Like, <laughs> and, and, and he was not wrong in America in the 70s when I came over. Essentially, vegetables were uh, a, a tomato you could throw against the wall and it would bounce <laughs> off. And, and uh, it was not, you know, anyways. So I read his book and the first half was good. And because I grew up among vegans and vegetarians, I figured out to skip the 30 pages on just railing against the industrial food complex and just like, like, got that. Yeah. yeah, Just like done. Got that compartmentalized in my (laughs) mental landscape going back to the, (laughs) I have studied this with people who are buck naked trying to listen to them instead of staring at them for many years. I'm fine. Uh, so and, and other more genuine intellectual exchanges. Uh, but the other part was pretty good. And basically the upshot is instead of eating a ton of beans, right, you can eat fruit and, and even like coconut. Now, his, there's some things of like types of fruit you probably don't want to eat a lot of like cantaloupe. And you can even have some potatoes. But in the paleo thing, I need to go do some, some uh, more classical paleo reading. But like fruit, I don't know if you've had fruit. I but I, 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 I haven't had a lot of fruit for the past six years. And so you just take the beans out 
and then you can eat fruit. And then, and then so far, it's only been a few weeks, but I think the trajectory, if I were to bring up the chart, it's going in the right direction. Now, I had a steak last night in barbecue, so it's probably going to level off this mm. week. But still. But paleo, it just is really just comes down to like, don't eat carbohydrates. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's which, all. Which I can get behind. Okay. So right. that's just, I just want to make sure, like, no one has come out and be like, oh, just eat carbohydrates. Mm. That day, it hasn't rotated. No, 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 no. That, that's not okay. back yet. Okay. That, that's, that's just some 50, 60 Let me know. stuff. Let me know when that's back in. I, yeah. I want. And I want he, he even, there's, there's several funny passages where he's like, and of course, a moderate amount of cheese. Because I'm French. <laughs> <laughs> this is honest. How do, yeah. You can tell because I have this outrageous accent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so that is the story. So I had beans today for the first time in probably like, I don't know, a couple weeks. Wow. And I have to say, I have to say, after six years, uh, Kim was complaining about this because every because I cook a lot of stuff. And she was like, I'm tired of eating a bunch of hot food, right? Because if you think about the Tim Ferriss diet, Unless you're eating like a kale salad, it's basically like meat, warm, and, and then vegetables, which like, I guess you could have a salad, but it's hard to have vegetables that aren't warm, right? Like you basically steam them or cook them and then beans, which you can kind of have like, a, you know, cold bean salad. you can have a cold bean salad, but after a while, it's just like, not good. it's, it's just like I had to get, I mean, mentally I was over it, but after it stopped working, like it's uh, no good. All so right, we'll see so. how this pans out. I got, I got, Check I got, back. I got blueberries. You got the raspberries, watermelon, apples. Mm. It's we crazy. Should, we should make mangoes. Sure we'll have to do like a live video in six months, and then we, everyone can judge for themselves. Like, yeah. Where, where's yeah. Kote? Or, yes. or you can post. Or you your, just uh, post the, the, yeah, chart, chart, the chart. The chart. The chart. Yeah, let me let me put that in. See, this is this is you can see how it's actually done. Post withings wow. chart. That's so different than I thought. Yeah, it's incredible. <laughs> So then that, that brings up, uh, not another topic, but you can see now, you had to travel over here. Yes. Right? So yes. As, as, as we always want to know, Matt Ray, give us your notes on international travel. Now, I think this may not be different, but, but you did qualify as platinum. I think five months ago. Uh, yeah, yeah. So right. So you year, get to experience the whole uh, the yeah, whole platinum. Platinum. Thing. I mean, I've I've been uh, enjoying the benefits of that. So what'd you fly on? Was it American? Uh, I flew American. Qantas? Okay. I flew American. Were you as confused as I am about they only do group numbers now? And you're like, what the fuck? Have you um, noticed that they're like they're like group one, and you're like, what? Did you already call the other metal classes? And then they do group like two, and they do it's group a three. Good, it's a good uh, streamlining of the yeah, classes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, think that's true. So this is the first time I've flown American in a long time. Like, so mm-hmm. I'm flying Qantas all over, and you know, other one worlds and uh, and non one worlds, and, and so I was hanging out in the the Qantas lounge before my flight, oh, yes. and I waited till they were like, "It's boarding. You need to come." To actually walk down there, and I just walked right in. I didn't actually wait to see if they were in my group, uh-huh, so maybe uh-huh. I'm doing it wrong. <laughs> so I skipped that part, um, and then I got on my plane, and uh, I had uh, a bulkhead to myself, nobody next to me. Okay, uh, there was That's a stack good. of five pillows uh, the like the plastic bags with the blankets yeah, yeah. and the pillows next like they just tossed on my seat now was this was this a new plane leather or, or, uh, or carpet seats uh, carpet oh, so okay. it, was, okay. it was not a new plane was it fitted with plugs or did it have the uh, yeah the it had, it had some plugs okay. it had, had, yeah it's not that old okay well um, sometimes I, you know I'm flying this is this is american i think i think when i flew back from paris they put us on like a one of those old things where like if you, if you stand yeah. up too too yes. fast you get decapitated by the crt tv yes. yeah yeah i've been on one um yes. and uh so so i made myself a little fort i got all uh, the pillows out oh nice and i lounged about you gotta make sure you watch the periscope and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and i sprawled my legs out because uh-huh. i had all the leg room uh-huh. and uh slept about eight hours so it was not too bad wow. you know, 14 hour flight and then um 
thanks to Global Entry, which if uh, if you cross the borders, you mm. need to get this. I was through LAX Customs in about 10 minutes. Oh, so choice. Mm. And um, was able to insert myself onto the 8.20 a.m. flight rather than wait till the From 12.30 LAX. flight. And that's that a three-hour flight on. or so? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, travel time was like 18 hours from... Wow. From uh, gate to gate, uh, gate to gate to gate to gate. Uh, so yeah, now, it worked out really well. Now that said, the LAX Admirals Club, one of the nicer. Ones. I miss there. Yeah, yeah. There they actually have a, a chilled board on their free snack bar, where they'll put cheese out and things like that, as I recall. Sadly, sadly, the glorious Pivotal has decided not to renew buying the Admirals Club membership. So oh, wow. an international. Wow. Have, you, have you done the executive escalation? I mean, yeah. we have some no, process no. yeah. we can. Come work on, there's got to be someone you Come can on. talk to. No. I, I, I think I think it's healthy. To Tell see how the little people live. Oh, did wow. you? Did you? Uh, <laughs> now you don't have like the status already from all your. Trip? No, I, I have platinum, so on international it works. But like Americans, very parsimonious with it. Like they don't give a fuck about what your status is for domestic admiral mem- oh. membership. You have to buy it for domestic. If you're traveling internationally, you get in if you're platinum or above. But, but you could use your points. I could, but that's crazy. It's the points hard. are like fifty thousand, yeah. and that's that's yeah. not cutting the mustard. Not going to happen. No, no, no you got no. you got a vacation. You got yeah, a family yeah, and kids. You got to take on vacation. Yeah, yeah. So I, I did buy some. Yeah, and they're all over too. <laughs> Completely fucks you. Yeah. Oh well, you get fucked again at twelve. Oh, uh, what happens at twelve? Then they become an adult. On some airlines, oh, okay, or so, thirteen so, above twelve. Above 12. They okay. I think America adult. lowered the fucking bar, and they're just like two done. It costs the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so I, I did uh, book some family travel uh, yeah. on, on Jetstar, uh-huh. um, which I, which I, is the cheapy one. Right? Yeah, right. well, you know, it's my family, so sure. I have to buy the tickets. So they get what they deserve. No, no, we. <laughs> It's it's fine. <laughs> they, Evidently, they don't watch the podcast. Yeah, we're we're safe. We're <laughs> in a safe place here. Um, no, no. I mean, it's it's like flying, you know, Southwest, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you 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 pay a cheaper rate, and uh, you pay to get a seat reserved. You pay for luggage. You could do it Hunger Games style, guys. We'll fly a good airline. One of you can't go, or all <laughs> of you can go, and we'll fly the discount airline. Yeah, yeah. Family decide. Yeah. yeah, but I, you know, I, I think I've got. Uh, I, we're doing a, a, a jaunt in July, and uh, July jaunt. Yeah, it was still came down to like nine hundred a person for uh, yeah. you know, three eight-hour flights. So that's not too bad. Yeah. Now I have just two questions before we move on. Okay. Okay. So one, uh, give me give me the, the the mouth experience as far as the free booze and being a vegetarian. So like this is this is always a problem I have nowadays. Problem. You're traveling internationally. You basically could get completely blackout drunk. Yes, right, which is very tempting because because the R the R it's because it costs you nothing. I okay. mean, I shouldn't say it's, I, I'm going to rant on Hawaiian. I, I <laughs> let, 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 let me rephrase that. It's not tempting in the sense of like a mature temptation, but there is. If you remember Herman's head, there's that one little like overweight guy with the baseball cap who's like, "You should drink up." Like the Al Bundy of your head is just like ready to party. Uh, but also, like, it's just not a very good idea. So, like, so one, there's always, like, what's the strategy for dealing with the alcohol? And then and then also we'll get to the vegetarian thing, which must be just, like, horrific. Well, well, uh, usually, you're, if you're smart enough, you register in advance on your flight. You can do the choice, the mm-hmm. meal selection. Uh, American, it's actually saved and remembers that I'm a vegetarian. Uh, nice. Uh, it was not very good. It's, but like, it's, it's usually like pretty poor. Yeah, yeah. It's usually pasta. Yeah. It, the, the, the vegetarian pro tip. Choose uh, uh, Asian vegetarian. It's usually better stuff. A lot of times uh, it's Indian food. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah it's, it's, okay. It's usually better than you know the the limp pasta. Yeah. Uh, if you're flying Emirates, oh, so choice. They had like nine vegetarian options. Uh-huh. Um, 
But uh, yeah, American the food was kind of below Qantas, uh, so I'm always you know stack ranking my airlines. Uh-huh. Um, well, you have to in yeah. our line of work. But uh, you know, so I usually get they come through with the drink service, and I get a glass of wine, mm-hmm. and then when the meal shows up, I get a second glass of wine, and then I'm usually about ready to take a nap. So yeah, how about in the lounges? Oh, in the lounges. Oh, in the lounges. Because this so, is this is where the real treat is for people who don't have experienced this. You walk in, someone greets you, and they're like, oh, hey, which is, they're, they're great, right? And then you come into the section, and you're like, oh, here's a buffet. And then you kind of spin around, and you're like, what is this? Yeah. And it's basically like, depending on, like the one that's, there's two that I always remember, I guess I guess because I was there recently, the Charles de Gaulle American Admirals Club Lounge, which is a small version of this. But then you have the Terminal 5 Heathrow that, British Airways. It's and infamous. This, this has two tiers. I'm Ooh. always going to the middle tier because I'm not like club elite, I don't know, Pith hat or whatever, uh, but you go to the the normal one, and that one there's basically over on if you come through the security gate, it's over on the the right side. I always go over there for some reason because okay. it's closer to that little one. You get on the direct flight to Austin, and uh, they basically have like six bars spread all throughout. Yeah, and it's just like they're like proper bars. Like now. They don't have like you know the twenty five year old Macallan no, or, or no. whatever it is the nerds like. But they'll have like two or three whiskeys. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You're not drinking a bunch of Gilbies, right? Like they have like top tier stuff. Yeah, yeah. And so it is like now. Usually when I'm there, the direct flight to Austin leaves at one p.m. and I have to get out from the continent. You got to get there like get there at like nine. So it's not like I'm loading up, but it is sort of like I mean it's there. <laughs> So it, you, I, there's definitely a little strategy involved. Mm-hmm. You know, you're thinking, yeah, am I going to be here for an hour? Am I going to be yes. here for, you know, Did four I bring hours? a flask? <laughs> <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. So I've got this, I haven't this even thought water of that. bottle. Now, I usually travel with this, this bring uh, a flask. liter water bottle, and I'm going to start thinking. I got, I, I, and I feel, I feel a little sketchy because I fill it with the sparkling water. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, yeah. I, I hate those signs they have in the Admiral's Club that's like the bartender would be happy to fill your thing. And I'm like, fuck that. I'm no, in no, the Admiral's no, no. Club. No, no. I'm going to fill it here at the lemon zest station. Yeah, yeah. Uh, side note, the Singapore Lounge had a mobile bar service. So we're just sitting at a table mm. eating our food and the food at the Singapore Qantas Lounge was amazing. Yeah. And this dude rolls up with a trolley and he's like, the lounge has two specialty drinks. Uh-huh. And, you know, they have got, a Singapore sling? Uh, yeah. Nice. <laughs> but then they have like, you know, the Qantas Singapore uh-huh. sling special and, you know, shakes it there for you right in front of you wow. and pours you and I'm like, that's that's legit. Wow, it's so, like Luby's. Well, and and, and and one of the things is a lot of these uh, different international lounges have a specialty thing. I didn't realize this. So the Singapore, they have the mobile drink cart, and they're coming around pouring you drinks on the spot. You can also just go do the self serve. Uh, the the Qantas Lounge in uh, uh, in in Sydney has a espresso bar. And, uh-huh. you know, you can call in your orders in advance and they're just sitting there like Ooh. making them. Uh, pro tip, um, if you like soy and your, your latte drinks, don't go there. Because I saw the dude making them and he's taking these orders and he's like, you know, flat white, soy, uh, latte, you know, double shot. And he's making the same drink over and over again. doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter what you order. You're, yeah, getting, you're getting milk. Right. You're getting milk. Uh, if you order a latte, you order a flat white, it's the same thing. Yeah, they're almost like the same it. thing, but they're different. Yeah, that, w- that was covered delightfully a couple episodes ago in the uh, Do By Friday podcast, <laughs> where the, the Cards Against Humanity guy, Max Timken, was like, it turns out all you drink in America is hot milk with a little bit of coffee in it, yeah. no matter what you order. Yeah. Like, and, yeah, yeah. 
But I guess uh, that's Singapore. But anyways, is it? Yeah. So, uh, so your strategy for the liquor? My strategy for the liquor is I usually I, I like take it easy. I, I usually take it easy. I have a drink or two. You know, I, I try to pace myself about an hour mm-hmm. a drink. Um, except once, like I was flying uh, Jetstar, um, which is like the low cost Qantas carrier. And if you have access, you can sometimes get. If you have platinum, you can sometimes get into the Qantas lounge when you're flying Jetstar. Okay. All right. Um, and I, I, I get there, and I had a meeting that was canceled, and so I get there five hours before my flight. And Qantas is like, I literally pay like fifty bucks for a ticket, you know, to fly between Sydney and Melbourne, and mm-hmm. you know, two days in advance. And so I go, and I'm like, I'd like to change my ticket, please. Uh, I'd like to get you know the the one next hour. Because my flight's not till seven o'clock tonight, and I don't want to sit in the lounge for five hours. And they're like, uh, "Well, there'll be a change fee." I'm like, "Okay, well, how much is it?" And they're like, uh, "It's one hundred fifty dollars." I'm like, "Well, I'll buy another ticket." I'm like, "Well, there's only a few seats left, so that will be one hundred eighty dollars." I'm like, "So this fifty dollar ticket I bought yesterday can't be exchanged for less than one hundred and fifty dollars to save myself four hours." So I ended up going to the Qantas lounge. And uh, mm. pretty much, and and just walked past the you know the the regular and walked just to the to the agents. No 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 no. no. Oh, yeah. I, I went into the, the 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 business lounge and then I flashed my phone at the guy and just kept going into the executive lounge. Oh, so I, nice. <laughs> I didn't I didn't actually That's get a to check hustle. it. I just yeah I I snuck into and so I drank a lot of top shelf stuff and I might have spilled some. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah. I hate drinking as a thing. So you got your hundred fifty dollars. <laughs> I got my hundred fifty. You won. You won that round. I, I probably got thirty dollars. I think. Yeah. I think recently, over the past nine to ten months, my strategy has been drink very little. Yeah. Now, but I, I, th- I think in general, because I find the wine, the red wine on American, just not very good. And 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 I, I'm trying to introduce this thing in in my my dietary intake of like don't don't it's not even calories, just don't waste the capacity on stuff that's sure. not good. Sure. Now, on the other hand, I think I think the times that I have in, indulged, not to like blackout drunkenness, obviously, because I'm, I'm a mature 40-year-old, uh, but uh, it's just like if I have a long layover that goes into the afternoon, I'm just like, uh, fuck it. And yeah. I just have like, you know, Put on a movie some, some and, drinks because yeah. they're free. Yeah. You got, any, you got any strategies yourself, Brandon? I don't know. I, I don't I don't fly well with lots of drinking, so I just yeah, get too that's, dehydrated. That's the problem. So I just like I don't I never take advantage of it in a yeah. way. So yeah. you know, I would need to be somewhere like you know, five hours on the ground before yeah. and then you just get on the plane to sleep. Yeah. Right? I've I've tried to apply a strategy of uh, I only drink alone. Which which is which is to say with my family, right? Like I don't really I, when I'm when I'm out on business travel, I try not to really like drink if I'm out with people and stuff because it's just like I, yeah, very moderate drinking. I'm yeah. usually like two glasses of water. Yeah, because you know I gotta like get up early the next day and do stuff, and then also it's just it's just like I don't. You know, uh, the the jet lag has been exceptional. Yeah. I'm I'm and I'm also trying to shift it to if I'm business traveling, I'm just not going to go see people unless I need to, <laughs> right? Like like if there's like a speak, I'm turning into a curmudgeonly old person, but you know if there's like a speaker's dinner or some other dinner, no. unless unless there's that. like some. Some money or business relationship involved. There. I'm not interested. I like it because yeah. I've been to so many of those things, and because of my nature, it's just like I'm just waiting for it to end. And at some point, you come Steve Harvey and you write some long uh, email about like no one can talk to you. Yeah, oh, no matter where they're walking around. That would so. be so nice. You should you should repurpose the Steve Harvey. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure I've mentioned it before, but uh, the memo. Right? I often think of this T-shirt I saw. I think it was something like this. Obviously, it was uh, a nerd wearing it, but it said uh, something like, "Not an introvert, just don't like you." 
<laughs> I think, I think. Nice. I, yeah, there, there's definitely the the duality of like the extroverted introvert. You know, it's yeah, like yeah, yeah. you know you have to you know you have a public persona. You go, you speak, you, you yeah. do a podcast, you uh-huh. talk, you know. But then a lot of times, I just sit there quietly, you know, working away and yeah. like. Yes, as 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 uh, uh, JJ's second rule of life. First rule is be able to SSH into thing things. <laughs> no, but the, not to be able to SSH. Oh yeah, not to be able. To, I get it. That's JJ's. Up. But but the, the second rule of life is like you need an excuse for people to already know you and talk to you, or or like a card game or something. And, yeah. And, and like whether it's a game that's like your artificial crutch, or they already know you. Like that's that's. Or or you're talking about something impersonal, like yeah. you know, like your job. Yes. You know? Like I can. I can, you know, talk extemporaneously on any t- sort of tech thing for a lot of time. But then it's like, oh, let's talk about, you yeah. know, you, your family. I'm like, ah, shut that one down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, so so uh, so, so we're, we're here at ChefConf. Yeah. It's ChefConf with an F, With right? an F. I wonder how much discussion was spent on that with a con there, there versus probably an F. Probably, probably a yeah. lot. Probably a lot. They're like, we don't, we, it's going to be conf because we don't want like those, uh, what do you call the people, the cosplay people showing up? It seems like they go to cons, not cons. Ah, we, we definitely have some overlap. Yeah, people show up as a chef or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Uh, anyhow, Brandon and I were having lunch over at Cooper's, and uh, we were talking about, you know, just up the street, they're, they're, sometime soon they might pass the bathroom bill thing, which, uh-huh. which means uh, the, the, you can only use the bathroom if, if it's posted of your, what's on your birth certificate, which is, which is thrilling. Uh, and, and obviously stupid, but like, have people around here been talking about absolutely, that? Yeah? Absolutely. Yeah. What, what do they say? Um, so I think, uh, I don't know if we put it on the blog. We, we've talked about it publicly that uh, Chef as a company is against anything that they consider discriminatory. discriminatory. Yeah, yeah. And um, they're this, I'm not sure if we're on a two year or three year contract here, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, it will probably not be renewed. Yeah, yeah, so we're starting to if that passes. Yeah, it, yeah. Some of the other stuff like the show or it could just be a good excuse to hightail it back to like uh, the Pacific. No, Coast. no, no. Um, but also like the concealed carry scared a lot oh, of people. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the um, the show me your paper stuff. Uh huh. So you know, we we actually we told people like if if you do not feel comfortable coming to ChefConf, we'll give you a full refund, no questions asked. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is a really weird dynamic. Like I was, you, you had some more, some notes and then I, as, as I was also telling Brandon, I'm going to recap my whole day. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, I, I spent a lot of the morning just like looking up all the like facts and figures and made one of my usual notebooky blog posts. And it is like, I don't know. It brings up like this sore spot of just like the weird dynamic between like the city centers and like the hillbillies out in the country. And well, it, it's yeah. just like, like I mean, there, there's two things before I uh, stop ranting here and give someone else a chance to talk. But like one is like uh, like we were talking about this. Like I just don't the discussion around all of it is so weird and veiled that like I wish someone would just come out and say, like, I don't like gay people. Right. And therefore, I want to pass this or or more, more, uh, more subtly, like because of my belief structure, whatever religion I have, it is stated in my belief structure that this is abhorrent and therefore I am against this thing. And then in compounding, that would have to be like, at least to my overly logical mind, which I think is part of the problem. Like one, it, they, the, these people have to be to use the vernacular of, of our culture sinners. But then also their sin has to negatively affect me for me to want to care about it and actually prohibit them from doing something. Right. Like they'll they'll bring logic. Anyhow, my whole point is like the whole discussion has none of that stuff in it. And it's sort of like, I mean, all the stuff we come up with, because 
I tried. I tried to go do some research. I didn't go like go look at the FBI and load it up into you know Steve Ballmer's database or whatever. <laughs> but like you, you try to find statistics on like is this actually a problem of like some sort of like terrible shenanigans happen in bathrooms? And pretty no. much no. Like no. it's so much not a problem. There's pretty much no statistics except like this janky little citation from some crazy right wing nut job. Yeah. I, I, and everyone else is basically like nope zero. I, which, th- I think the real threat is Republican congressmen in bathrooms. Yeah, yeah. Because that's, that's, been, that's been statistically proven yeah, several yeah, times yeah. now. So, so anyway, anyways, it's sort of like there's no, as far as I know in my reality, no factual basis no. for there being a problem. No. So therefore, it's like, well, why can't you talk about other stuff that's motivating? Because at least, at least intellectually, we could start on a basis of not sheer insanity, yeah. right? Like if, if we, it's sort of taboo to make fun of religious people or whatever, which is fine. So like, we'll just sort of give a pass for that. But then at least we can have a discussion based on sort of like helpfulness. So anyways, I mean, it is. And, and, and then, I mean, so the confounding thing is like, I haven't gone to study this, but I was talking with Alex Williams, who's right out there and like about this at OSCON. And it seems like as far as I know, if you were to add up the voting population of all the major Texas cities, like I've been to West Texas, there ain't shit out there. Right. Yeah. Like like and the valley, like I'm pretty sure the blue vote would far outnumber the red vote. So what the fuck right like like are, are, are you familiar with gerrymandering yeah no no, no. <laughs> that would no. be the answer right? but but there is but but it's it's more sure it needs to be fixed but there's this ongoing thing of in aggregate right and and like you know it's just like there's something annoying well and on. and austin has particularly poor representation oh yeah we yeah. have five i'm, I'm, I'm five familiar with the yeah. uh, with with that but but you know, you'd think if you represent some part of Austin, you'd want to be fairly tech friendly. Yeah. You know, and so we actually have like congressmen who are kind of like, oh, yeah, I'm against things like, you know, network neutrality and things that, you know, the tech industry cares about. Yeah. You know, they're actively against. Um, so, I mean, you do what, have you do have gerrymandering, but I mean, I mean, statewide elected offices are done just on popular vote. Right. We don't have some weird electoral college system. Right. So that's just sheer population vote. And then lieutenant governor is based is, is an elected thing and on yeah. and on and on. So like there's a not insignificant is rated by power, not to mention federal elections, Congress aside, I guess federal elections, just the president at an aggregate level. But like at, at the Texas executive level, everyone's voted on sheer popular vote. Right. And so in that instance, it's still kind of weird. It's just like I don't like what. I don't you know, are people like not voting? I, I, I mean, know. obviously, it, people are not we'll voting. Say, but it I think, is. You know, every one of these elections, you know, the, the turnout's going to be different. I think going yeah, forward, yeah, quite a yeah. bit. But I do think you know, one to maybe give some hope here. It's like, you know, we were just talking like Austin's been on a great run for open source software this last few weeks. There was DockerCon this year, OzCon yeah. this year, and now Chef Con. Yeah, uh, maybe even yeah. some more in DevOps days. Austin was a big success. So it is nice to see um, people from the outside, you know, kind of putting pressure on, you know, like, hey, we're not going to come back and do these conferences, you know, in Austin. And, you know, obviously in Dallas, they have, you know, the Cowboys AT&T Stadium. You know, they want to have a lot of these events. Those could go away, you know. Um, so yeah, hopefully... Your, your buddy Jerry's got to sell his $15 hot dog. Yeah, I think Jerry is, you know, a capitalist if nothing else I think that is well known yeah. so uh, you know it's, it's good to see like you know people putting pressure on yeah. there about whether it's a tech conference which is you know our little side of the world or it's like you know the NCAA championships or some other things yeah. like hopefully that gets through like you know this is going to start costing Texas money in whether that be in Dallas or Austin or wherever so yeah. I'm hopeful that you know it doesn't go that way yeah and I, like I put this in the notebook thing right like now that uh, now that I'm in a field facing role like yourself. Like I go up to North Texas a lot and like there's a shit ton of new money up there. Right. Yeah. Like, 
like Toyota, I think a couple of years ago, and they're in the middle of this, like relocated the North American headquarters there. And, you know, these are whatever figures, bullshit press release figures and other stuff. But if you discount them even down to 40%, like they're like supposed to hire a thousand new people there and then relocate like 2,800 people and like, you know, and then just imagine that like there's all these other businesses who are probably think, thinking the same thing. And I don't know if they're members of like the global elite who like to go sacrifice owls or whatever, like they probably care about this stuff. And the, the boards will just be like, no, fuck Texas. And then they won't relocate right. their headquarters here yeah. and they'll go elsewhere. And like that might be just like a two year window in time, but it has like a multi decade effect of exactly. like not bringing exactly. in business. Well, I think North Carolina, right? They repealed that. that. Uh, they kind of half assed repealed I, it. Right, yeah. I know. Um, like this, most of the bigger sporting events had pulled out, like the All Star Game, yeah. NBA, and stuff. And they, I remember seeing some announcements they're coming back. So, I mean, there's hope that at least they're, you know, they're. I don't know if they repealed it then, so I don't want to say they completely, but they've made a step yeah. back, right? They've yeah. sort of made a step in the right direction. So we'll but see. Why, why, why did Texas think? Oh, I'll step in. Texas. Well, there's so some, there's some good things. So chef, <laughs> on yeah. So, so I, I read some of the analysis and then I stopped myself because I thought we're going to have Matt Ray. Yeah, and he can explain it because I I will uh, synthesize this and explain it, and then it will be wrong. So it seems like now. Now that said, let me do that. Just that, uh, like as far as I can tell, the announcements there's sort of some sort of like brand consolidation into one suite of stuff. Or, or yeah, that, that happened last year. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. And and then and then Habitat is in beta. Uh, is that right? No, we. So so. See, I told you I'd get it wrong. Yeah, <laughs> and something about Kubernetes and some Kubernetes, right? Yeah. Um, so, so Chef has three open source projects uh-huh. uh, that we manage, maintain, have community managers. We, uh, uh, you know, big, healthy open source projects. Um, first is Chef. Chef uh, for infrastructure automation. That's what people know us for. It's, uh-huh. uh, you know, uh, we had some announcements this morning. Chef 13 uh, is out. Um, you know, big, healthy community. Uh, one PR a day. Um, Pull request, yeah, one, not a one, press release. Yeah. <laughs> well, there have been a lot of press releases this week, um, a lot of stickers, a lot of swag. But uh-huh. uh, um, but it's a healthy open source project. I think they said a third of the, the pull requests were from community members who don't work for Chef. You know, uh-huh. So that's, that's good stuff. And then, uh, uh, you know, so that's people know about infrastructure automation. And then we have another project called InSpec. And InSpec is built on the idea of compliance as code. Mm-hmm. And now, this is, you talk about that all the time. Yeah, right? yeah. I, I, I try to give talks because it's, it's really accessible. Like everyone has audits that they have to deal with. They have auditors. They have compliance regimes. They have PCI, SOGS, mm-hmm. HIPAA, all that stuff. And essentially those things break down into rules you have to follow. You know, you have to have this turned off and this not listening and, you know, can't yeah, use yeah. this. And you can turn those rules from PDFs and spreadsheets, you can turn those into code, a very high-level code um, that uh, human-readable, and you can get, uh, you know, maybe your auditors could write it or a junior dev could write it. And then when that stuff's in code, you can bring it into your continuous in, uh, integration, your continuous delivery pipelines. You can make it part of your testing, and so you can ensure that you're always releasing uh, applications that are compliant. Your infrastructure yeah. is always going to pass those audits that, you know, they usually take you down for a week or two because you can't touch anything because your auditors are there. And so that's been really popular. And so that has actually pivoted how our sales kind of works uh, because rather than try to yeah. come in and say, let's tackle a bunch of software and infrastructure problems with Chef and, you know, we'll hammer out this project and then this project. We say, you know what? Let's just scan everything for compliance and you'll know what's broken. 
and then let's go fix that. And so you just light it up, and, yeah. and that's not even like a DevOps problem. Yeah, yeah. I guess if you're a Band-Aid company, it's good to have an open wound to But I think, you know... <laughs> exactly. You're like, I, you know what? Let's check you for wounds. <laughs> but I would say, you know, that's the thing, you know, kind of... This is my first ChefCon, so kind of... And I was really, you know, blown away with some of the demos of uh, Inspect, right? And I think what you just said there, I, I would maybe kind of come back and correct you a little bit. It's like, I think, no, that is a DevOps problem. Like, being compliant right, 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 right. for the... And I thought this was, you know... Because I go to... I've been to, like, lots of security conferences in the last few years, right? And... I used to, I think I've said on the show multiple times, like, well, you know, like the developers are never at the security conference. Yeah. They're just like, they're yeah. somewhere else. And um, now I'm not going to say there's like lots of security people here, but there are security people, which is interesting. And so, and kind of, you know, and I think the the motivation, and there's even some funny videos, right? Several talking about like, you know, secu- you know the reason uh, a lot of times you can't get over the hump, right? Could be continuous delivery is security, right? Yeah. yeah. And so um, building that in really, you know, is the way to, you know, it's sort of like, if you will think, I think of like agile got the development crowd, DevOps got um, the development plus ops yeah. crowd. And like, I guess I'm calling DevSec, DevSec or ops, maybe be some yeah. new name come out, but like it's starting to pull the security guys in, which is like, to me, the, you know, the Holy grail is like security and then audit. Mm-hmm. And then you then you pretty much have everybody on board to get stuff out. So yeah, yeah. it was really interesting to, to see chef really. Cause I mean, I came across yesterday in the keynotes. I think most of them, were around compliance yeah, more so yeah. than um, the well, traditional uh, infrastructure uh, stuff. It, it's not that it's not a DevOps. I'm just saying if you are if you're coming in, you know, I, I do a lot of sales uh, calls and, and, and meetings, and you don't have to say like, oh, right, we're going to tear down these barriers between Dev and Ops, and we're all going to you know kumbaya and hold hands and collaborate. You know, you run into some of these enterprises, and they don't want you to say that. They want you to say, what can you fix? Right. And so you yeah, show yeah. up and you're like, I'm going to scan your stuff and you will know what has to be fixed. And then you will put the chef agent on those boxes and fix all the heart bleed and shell shock and want to cry that you see on this dashboard. Mm-hmm. Then you will put that into some testing. You'll do some testing, maybe put it into a continuous integration delivery pipeline. And then all of a sudden, you know, nobody said DevOps, but you're, if you, if you squint at it, you're like, Oh, we're doing we're doing the motions. We're doing the things that you know. We're going through the processes, even mm-hmm. if we're not saying it out loud. And then you know, so the tools are getting you into that mindset of like, oh, we're going to collaborate over these things. We're going to do CI/CD. We're going to you know attack it that way. The cultural stuff is hard, mm-hmm. you know, and the cultural stuff takes time. So we usually hit it with you know a two pronged approach of like, yes, the tools can fix these things, but you do have to do the cultural side of things, and and so. Our approach there is um, we usually try to get them, we, a customer, to identify like a business problem that they want to solve. Right. Uh, not, not like, oh, we want to be able to provision VMs faster. That's not a business problem. A business problem is we need to get a new application customer facing in you know, two months. And so we say, let's take that business problem and assemble a team to get that out in an automated fashion, get executive cover to like knock down all the people who are like, no, you can't have a VM for six weeks, you know, that kind of stuff and get them in the experience of delivering that. And, and, you know, and then, so we come in and we do some, you know, some DevOps consulting around that, uh, or we get partners to do it, you know, especially in, in APAC, I do, I teach partners how to do this and, you know, get them using the tools and they're going through the motions. And then at the end of this, and they're demoing every week, cause that's a really DevOps kind of thing. And, and then at the end of those eight weeks, they've released something, they've pushed it to production, and they're like, holy crap, I didn't know we could do that. Right. right? And you're like, you know what we call that? 
DevOps. Yeah. yeah. Well, I you, think you know you, you just outlined the entire like pivotal go to market. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's no coincidence, right? <laughs> Everyone knows that this is what you need to do. But I think you know one thing I'm really um, grab me. I know the I know the the chef phrase is continuous compliance, right? Or um, or compliance code rather is yeah. one of them. And I was like, you know, I I kind of you know was in the meetings or in the demos, and I was thinking to myself like, really, because they showed several examples of. Um, it's like from the CIS, the policies, right? So I was really, you know, kind of, it kind of struck um, what I guess the thing I took away is like really policy is code is really mm-hmm. what you're mm-hmm. doing. Right? Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. you're actually, because they showed several things um, like the CIS and there were several of like the PDFs and then they were showing that the equivalent um, the chef, code, the yeah. code, right? And it's like it's it is human readable, yeah. I and mean, it is code. Though. I mean, there's no, yeah. no, no, no. There's it, like it's, you it's have to know, domain specific yeah, language. So let's not be like totally crazy. Like you do have to understand. But it's that not part. hard. But it's, I agree, yeah. it's not hard. But I, but it, but I, I like that they weren't shying away from. It. It's like no, no. If we can take this PDF policy, right, and if you're willing to like invest some time. And learn a little bit of uh, yeah. programming, like it, it. Once it becomes that, it becomes automation. And then you get to the point. Then com- continuous compliance, right? Yeah, and it's yeah. sort of like, and I thought, you know, I guess what I'm really interested in myself was just like where, because I think the focus in the heritage makes sense was really on like making sure these servers are compliant. Right? It's kind of where it started. Yeah, yeah. Operating systems probably yeah, yeah. the biggest thing, but like, you know, like how big can that get, right? Like, can it's you start to like, big. yeah? I, I think that's like the goal because I've I've sat with a lot of auditors and I think everyone has, and it's like you know because there's lots of things that get audited that, as you know, right, aren't on a server, right? They're like, you know, who has access to these yep, things yep. in the network, and it's like, wow, you know, if, if the industry could converge on. Yeah. A machine readable language, right? Some kind of code and like really start to like put the policies as code into some central repository. You know, like now we're really like you think about yeah. the potential automation, whether that's identity or network or I mean, just the it, it, endless amount yeah. of, you know, so, even yesterday they had uh, the person from SAP, the woman um, spoke and she gave I was shocked. I mean, she probably four or five different, you know policies in front of the chef audience. I was just amazed that you yeah. know chef wanted her to so, speak so and she Did you did you uh, catch the, this morning? I did. Okay. I did. The, most, the, most the, of it. Huh? Most, most of, of it, it. Most before of the barbecue. It. Okay, before the barbecue. <laughs> I, I mean so so we also announced uh it's not just host based. So it's not just yeah, you know, did, connecting yeah. to machines. It's also uh can now work with databases. So you know MySQL, Postgres, Oracle, you know we're certainly on the SQL applications, server. right? Yeah. yeah. Talking That's to the policy APS. thing or what? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay. So you can say things like, you know, I don't want this user to exist in the database. Mm-hmm. I don't want mm-hmm. when I make this query, I don't want to see this result. You know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh API support. And then uh, we open sourced uh, three new projects around uh, checking your cloud or virtualization usage. So there's now mm-hmm. profiles for AWS, for Azure, and for yeah. VMware. So then you can do things like, I want to check the status of my users. And this to was make really sure. part of the platform. Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, essentially, it's compliance for platforms. Pla- yeah, think exactly. the, yeah. So, so then what, what gets sold around that? What gets sold is the whole automate platform. So just, it's just like it's the just core engine, right? So yeah. we're we're selling we're selling. Well, the the profiles come with it, yeah. yeah. Um, but they're mostly open source. The Sys benchmarks are, are the Sys is the Center for Internet Security. It's kind of this weird quasi mm-hmm. open source thing where it's a industry consortium, but we can't apparently open source their stuff, even though they make it publicly available. Mm-hmm. So that's a good kind of open source. Yeah, yeah. So, but they provide XML that we do an XSLT on, and we get our code from their XML. Well, it'd be really interesting to see because who's the open the community manager? I think he gave the presentation for Inspect. For Inspect. Yeah, what's his uh, name? Adam or Link? Uh, Adam Leff. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think he's a really good speaker. For some reason, if you get out there and you're interested in compliance, like definitely check him out. Like, you know, yeah, he's on yeah. his game. And I, you know, it was interesting talking to him a little bit. I just like how big. 
and this will just be interesting what happens like you know like how big can it get can it get yeah. you know beyond the applications can it get into like identity like because like yesterday when um that woman from sap was giving her talk like she was hitting all these like pci everyone knew what she was talking about and then she would say something about network everyone knew what she was talking about and then she's like okay have you guys heard about insider threat and it was like kind of like the room sort of was like went down like people weren't really sure about access and it was like wow like man, if you could get this group of people also, I mean, like who's looking at these things, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like you're really starting to like chop down that auditing yeah. matrix. So you're yeah. going from like, you know, 20 lines to like 40 lines. That's really what you're doing. It's like how far down this matrix can I get before I have to manually go right, do, right. and there'll always be like, there'll always be 20%. It's like so customized. You're going to have to go look at it, yeah. but yeah, well, you well, know, well, keep tac- going down. Tactically, you got to go target whatever the audit and compliance Thought lording sphere is. I mean, they must have conferences and yeah. magazines and books. And then, uh, and then I'll be at RSA conference. And yeah, and, and then it's <laughs> it's probably represents maybe a revenue a lot more, but maybe like 15 percent of the market is like government compliance. Yeah, which yeah. which means large government contractors. And then so you got to go target those people. We, we but, then, that. but then on the other end, mm-hmm. you you go in through the uh, the actual agencies and military, and that's a longer change. But like. You know, it's it's to your point of like, hey, auditors, maybe you shouldn't just use Word docs and spreadsheets, Absolutely. So, right? So, like, yeah, and, so. and here's here's a, here's like, and and I, I've encountered this. Like, uh, I mean, compliance comes up for us all the time. And, and the main thing I've struggled with is in pitching this is it's a very DevOpsian problem. Is like, how do you change this from you're fired to you the auditor is helped, right? Because okay. you don't want to fully automate it, and you already alluded to part of it. Is a lot of it is not automatable. It's all just like, is your meatware doing this? But I, I was talking with uh, uh, someone that we hired from the government. He was saying, like, you know, most auditors, they have to work really late and then they yeah. have to work on weekends. And it seems like in the same way that, like, you want to have your, like, anti-burnout stuff, that it'd be like, hey, you can leave at 5 o'clock, auditors, right? Like, yeah. I have a feeling that there's a lot about automating autom- auditors' jobs. That's a hard phrase to say. That would just allow them to actually do their job that they were hired for. Well, that's, that's, like, that's, you know, that's you the know, beauty of, of Inspect being open source and Apache license is we've, we've had contributions from auditing firms. So yeah, they're yeah. picking this up into their toolkit. Yeah, I think it's at the very, and I yeah. think that's the very beginning. I think, I think audit, unfortunately, is because, like, you know, you mentioned RSA and it's like, Absolutely. You know, chef, it'd be interesting. It'd be great to see Chef at RSA next year or whenever, right? And it's like, okay, so like, all right, you're going to the security stuff. But the security stuff is still like, they don't, they kind of know of the audit of Island. They are the Island, island yeah. of auditing, right? But like no one, like people don't really go and come back from the audit, the uh, Island of auditing, right? It's like, it's hard to like pull those people because they really are at these completely different conferences that none of us even yeah. know about. And I think that's like the, so I was back to like what I was seeing is like, that's really the Holy Grail is to... One, just to have them send the PDFs over, yeah. send the policies over to start. And then I think to your thing, like, hey, you tired of being up all night and working yeah. on the weekends? Hey, if, if you learn this little bit of code, I, you know, yeah. it'll go even faster. And I think it's just a hard group, though. I think that audit but, but, group but is just when, really when, detached. When you get to that group, like I, I was in this, this sales meeting with a, like a global retailer and you know, there are like 15 people and like 12 of them were sysadmins and there was like the one security boot in the room. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're pitching, you know, chef and automate and, you know, infrastructure as code. And then I, you know, kind of pivot the conversation into inspect and compliance. 
And, you know, they're like, oh, I don't know. And the security guy literally stands up and he's like, you guys shut up. We have to buy this. Because <laughs> yeah. he's like, I have to operate, you know, retail operations in Europe, North America, Australia, and Japan. Do you know how much, you know, how much time I spend, yeah. you know, sorting out the system, compliance right? and inventory? No, yeah. it doesn't discover. Someone asked me this question. No, it doesn't do discovery. Okay. That you was know, the but, thing. That was someone who was like, that's what I want. All right. So, so I was I'm like, gonna, okay. I was like, oh, you know what? I'll talk to the guy. Okay. So, so, there you go. So, so here's, here's my rant <laughs> on discovery. How do you not know what you have? Oh, like, I, I mean, have you been to my house? Like, I don't even, I don't even know how many, like, IPs we have allocated in my house. Right, honestly. right. So, so yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I, I think that before you worry about a tool, there are, there are tools that will discover things for you. Well, I was going to say, but can I do that? Can I just run one of the, can I just do, like, an IP scan? Uh, yes, and yes. Then, like, and then, feed, feed it back a bunch in? of IPs. Okay, so yes. it's not that. So no. there is a workaround. Here. And, like, and, and everything. And, and like, in my house, I can, yeah. like, scan everything. You could scan it. it. And then, I'm, well, a lot of compliance errors. Yeah. A lot of compliance errors. <laughs> a lot of compliance, a lot of, heart, <laughs> a lot of heart bleed. You, you probably can't accept Well, I know in my house, my mo- or my wife, rather, sets the policies, but we have not automated those policies. There's, like, a lot, and my son is definitely working around them. So go ahead. Keep going. All right, so I can do that. I can yeah, yeah, some yeah. Kind of Everything like has APIs. Network scan, and, and that's okay. that's kind of what we realize is we're not going to solve every problem. We're not. Gonna, uh, I'm going to state right here. I really don't think we will ever put scanning into it. Okay. As a, you know, let's find your stuff. So it's like a philosophical thing. You're yeah. Just like this is a problem. You're really not. You're not tools. trying to get involved in. There's yeah, tools that do it. Tools that'll okay. find. That'll that's crawl a fair network answer. And you know, give you a list of IPs back, and then then you just feed those in via the API, or and then you're ready to go. And then you're ready to go. And then you know. Who knows what's on them? So, so what have, what have you guys done in the exciting area of containers? Containers, right? Oh, this is going to get deep yeah, now. yeah. So, so that's what Habitat is um, uh-huh. to some extent. So, so Habitat is a it's a new ish project. It's about a year old now from Chef, and um, Habitat came out of our experience with Docker. Uh, we actually, I guess, probably about four years ago, I invited Solomon Hikes to uh, ChefConf. And he came and gave a little tiny talk, you know, because it was dot cloud days. And he came and, you know, minds were blown. You know, people who got it at the time, you know, were excited. And so, you know, our first thought was, let's put the chef agent in there, right? You know, let's put an agent because we got this lightweight virtualization platform, right? We didn't get the containerization, the 12-factor apps, that kind of stuff. Sure. And, you know... People quickly realized that, uh, you know, 12-factor apps and immutable infrastructure, that was the real value of, of the Docker experience. And Docker as a packaging format is amazing, right? It's mm-hmm. this easy way to take your application, package it, and ship it off to anywhere and have it run, uh, you know, pulling in its config from its environment and all that. So realizing that, that Chef wasn't the right tool in there, we also realized that this is the future and... Um, what is, what is it that people are actually trying to solve? And what they're actually trying to do is um, get their applications out faster. And the way you get things out faster is you automate them. And so what Habitat does is it automates uh, three things. The build configuration and uh, uh, the build <laughs> configuration and management of applications. And so the first part is... Uh, the build part. So we actually have uh, Habitat builds your application as a full stack binary where it has every dependency that you need to run your application. And uh, we've been doing that with Chef for a long time with what we call Omnibus, um, where you don't have to depend on your operating system to provide the libraries you need for runtime. So, um, so it installs the server, as it were. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it brings it installs in... installs your software on the server. Yeah, yeah. It, it brings everything you need. 
Um, so you don't have to worry if your distro doesn't have, you know, the latest Ruby, the latest PHP, sure. or, you know, it's your OS is not supported by the vendor and it still has OpenSSL problems. Um, so it builds that and gives you a manifest that describes exactly what went into this with Git shows and, you know, fully just, you know, out the wazoo for an audit of how this thing was built and uh, produces a signed artifact that says, you know, this is our application as an artifact. Uh, and then that artifact can be exported to Docker. Mm-hmm. And in that export step, we take the, uh, we have a Habitat supervisor. And so the supervisor manages that application and understands how to read this, this artifact and how to run it as PID1 in your Docker file, in your Docker container. So it runs that application. Um, also in your manifest, you describe how your application is managed, what ports are exposed, how monitoring is done, how logging is done, how health checks are done. Mm-hmm. And the Habitat supervisor can handle that as well. And you also tell it how it's configured. What, what are the configuration options that are available to you? And so what you get is a fully managed application inside of Docker that doesn't move. You know, it's this immutable artifact that I can put in Docker. But I can also just put it right on a Linux file system and run it there. I don't need to be inside of Docker. Sure, sure. So now um, it becomes like, oh, it's not just Docker. Uh, it's also Rocket and uh, Coral, uh, Mesosphere. Sure. Um, or I can just throw it into a tarball and dump it on a file system and run it there as my, my init system. And this uh, goes back to the idea of you're providing a habitat for your little... Boom! Right? Oh, yes. Which, it's a which we talked about last year or whenever we <laughs> trying to figure yeah. out what this is. And, and so that application is now fully managed no matter where it runs. Uh, and that supervisor also knows how to talk to other supervisors and provide service discovery. So if you need a multi-tier app, uh, like mm-hmm. a you know, load balancer, database, uh, you know, app server, um, those layers can talk to each other automatically and share you know, uh, information. So what's nice about this is it's completely complementary to everything out there in the container ecosystem, right? It plays really nicely inside of Docker. Uh, If you throw this into Kubernetes or Mesosphere or Docker Swarm, you know, they manage the deployment of the containers and then the containers can talk to each other and they, they handle, you know, different DNS setups, different uh, environments, and they just pull things in from their environment Rather than have an agent sitting inside them, pulling out, you know, calling out and pulling information in, they become, you know, mm-hmm. nice little habitat, you know, terrariums managing themselves. And so do the, the uh, orchestration platform, this is the part, I mean, I should know the answer, I just don't. Like, do the orchestration platforms, you know, whether it be Mesosphere or, or Swarm or, or Kubernetes, like, are they not getting involved? Because it's sort of like the build product side yeah, of it. Like, yeah. Are they just, is this an area? Because I mean, I, I, I was watching today, I was like, I was like, wow, it kind of feels like, you know, you think these orchestration platforms would do this, right? They do a because little. A they very, do a little, right? I mean, it's very, I mean, yeah. almost to running this in a me, a big environment is going to require something like yeah, this. Yeah, so you should, um, I don't know if you caught Kelsey Hightower. I did. Demo. I mean, yeah. He was showing like Kubernetes and Habitat yeah, yeah. working together, which I got like, 80% of that was awesome. Yeah, it, At the end of, like he was going fast. Like, he was going I fast. Didn't, I didn't quite, I didn't, yeah. say, I didn't say I'll get it. And they also talked about how, like, different gossiping protocols and yeah, stuff. And I, yeah. I just, I honestly, it, it, I, it I, just, was... I checked my Twitter at that point. I was out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so Habitat does provide a little overlap with some of the services provided by Kubernetes. Okay. But as Kelsey showed in his demo, you don't have to use Habitat's built-in stuff. You can take advantage of stuff built into Kubernetes. Right. And as he also pointed out in the demo, that's awesome because 
if you don't, if you're not inside of Kubernetes, if you just throw it onto a bunch of Linux machines over here in the corner that they don't have any containers on them, don't have any, they can do their own service discovery on them. So, you know, we will take advantage of the container orchestrators if they have those features we need. But right. if they don't, we'll bring you know, just the minimal amount of stuff that we need to, to run Makes a sense, distributed yeah. application. Well, I think we probably are bearing a lead probably for some people who are lost, maybe a little bit on the I think the thing that they kept showing that was more, you know, of course, you know, we had the wanna cry this, uh, you know, this yeah, week, yeah. but like, you know, whatever, there's going to be a lot more, you know, uh, outages or, you know, uh, breaches errors. in the future, errors. And so what they did show, I think yesterday, yeah. this was more like, you kind of got it right away. It was like, hey, okay, you know, this vulnerability gets announced and, it's, it's, you know, instead of that being like a huge event in your life, you can just go over to, in this case, the habitat configuration, right? You basically update what that is, right. and then everything just gets yeah, rebuilt. Yeah. And then it, not only does it get rebuilt, but you kind of know so, it's so, yeah. everything, not only that, but everything else is dependent on, which just basically means like, you know, you hit a button, 20, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes go by. And you don't have to worry about want to cry or yeah, shell shock. Yeah. Like you're done. And that that was the part that you're like, okay, it, kind of back to our earlier conversation, like compliance and security. Really, that's the thing that you're like, you're getting right. It's like that was like, wow, that's a lot easier yeah. Yeah. than anything that you know, most of the other things that we see. Yeah. So that's that's the the third leg of, of Habitat. You know, you've got the build, you've got the manage, and then you've got this build service that you you know you've built your full stack application, but you've depended on other pieces. And maybe if one of those pieces is like OpenSSL and has a vulnerability, when OpenSSL gets updated, the Habitat build service will go build your new OpenSSL packages. And every single thing that was built with the previous OpenSSL packages will be rebuilt and new Habitat artifacts will be generated for all of them. And then the Habitat supervisor can do in-place upgrades if you want it to. And so that's that means like, you know, your, your turnaround time, as you said, could be, you know, minutes on a new CVE and Habitat has inspect built as a sidecar. So you, you can do the scanning yeah, and you keep watching. You're it, right? always watching yeah. uh, for compliance. And so now, is, that, is that is it, sidecar means like a plug in, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's just, you know, you it's like a that's how the kids say it nowadays. Plug in? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, no, no, no. Sidecar. They say sidecar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The kids I've never figured plug out. Plug in the old they, they were, I'm just clarifying because when I first heard about sidecar, I thought that was a new phrase for monkey patching. But I think it's actually just a plug in. Yeah. It's just yeah. something that, you know, rides next to your application. Yeah, right? yeah, you yeah. Know? And, uh, and you do that with monitoring and, and other things. So you kind of mix in, you know, the things that you need. And so what you get is application automation, infrastructure automation, compliance automation, visibility across mm-hmm. all of it. And, you know, we're going to keep revving on that and getting people into that. And that's what, you know, that's what ChefComp's all about. Yeah. In a nutshell. Yeah. I mean, you got the open <laughs> wounds of, of stuff. And then, and then it's just, I mean, this is what all, all three of us basically work on at our respective uh, paychecks nowadays is like, just remove all that administrative bullshit from getting applications into production. That's right? what it's like, all about. And, and yeah. uh, and so, I mean, and then obviously patching security things is a big part of that because it's sort of like, you know, if you got a leak in your roof, you got to fix that before whatever, insert terrible thing here. But like, uh, yeah. And meanwhile, you just need to speed up the cycle of, of doing all this stuff, which is interesting. I mean, y'all, y'all's, y'all's approach is, is obviously no one ever says heterogeneous anymore, but there's almost the implicit thing of like, you could use this across all the things. Yeah, right? yeah. And so, so this could be the common, I mean, this is a classic systems management thing is like, you can use this thing to manage all your things. Whereas like, you know, a pivotal comes in and it's like all things go into this bucket, yep. right? Like we're not going to manage your 
whatever thing. Your bare it, metal. Yeah. yeah, yeah, because that's not, not well, I don't know about bare metal, but we're not going to manage your other applications over here that don't run in this thing. Whereas yeah. by the nature of what Chef and Puppet and all these other people do, it's just like, I don't know, we connect to the thing and tell it what to do, right? Like, and it doesn't really matter, which which is certainly interesting. Well, I like one of the that's, phrases that's a thing. that was turned around is like, you know, automation silos, right? And I think that's sort of, you know, yeah. kind of looking at Chef broadly, it's sort of like how, how do you want to increase, just getting people automating stuff, right? The sort of step one. And step two is like, how many of these silos can you sort of break down? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, but of course, like the, the hard part there is like, if you try to get too big, nothing really gets done. And if you're too narrow, it's, well, that's nice for you guys, but yeah. the rest of the people don't. So it's, so I mean, I mean, to like the 10 year history of this company, right? Sort of like, started in infrastructure and compliance. Now you're, you know, so it's, it's definitely, it's a powerful vision. Definitely interesting to see. And it's been consistent, right? We've always been just like, let's automate it all and get it out faster, Mm -hmm. safer. That also, there's also a lot of hugging here. A lot of hugging. A lot of hugging. I mean, like, how's the, uh, hugging ad chef. How's the, how's the tinted hair ratio going? Um, definitely some. There's definitely some. There's definitely you got, you got, you got any mohawks going on? Whether they're uh, yeah. whether they're limp mohawks, they're always limp. I will say, like, I do think this is like a new trend. Like on Dev Advocates, the more like punk rock, mm. like the more you kind of like when you see someone walk on stage, like just the more like distinctive the look, the better the demo. Like it's just like <laughs> it seems to be a good correlation. Yeah. Like, you just walk up like in a white Oxford shirt, you know, shirt. You're like, this isn't gonna be good. People come on like a weird T-shirt. Crazy hair, tattoos, you know, and it's like, and, it, I, and, I, and it goes, it's like, oh, it's on. Yeah. Right? And I also, I've seen several, uh, um, you know, women dev advocates that come out and like just blown me away. There's like, re- I mean, just really, really impressive. Um, and I guess I was at OzCon. I saw a couple of those. I was like, wow. It's like, so I don't know. I don't know if like fashion is changing or like there's some correlation going on, but like, it's, it's, it is interesting. Like I could never give a demo at this point. Like I don't have a good look. I don't have a good look at all. <laughs> That's that's the thing though. I I try to fight against that. So mm-hmm. like I'm wearing a t-shirt because uh, mm-hmm. I'm at ChefComp and I don't wear t-shirts except at conferences. Right? I'm mm. I'm, I'm 43. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm a grown man, and uh, <laughs> and so I usually wear like a button-down shirt because right. you know uh, and you're willing to do it and and uh, you know tuck it in and I you know I'll wear a suit coat a jacket if I need to, and so I I, I go to these conferences and, and, you know, I will dress up for the, the, the presentation. And I actually had this guy afterwards come home. He's like, I didn't know you were technical. Well, it's true. Yeah. That is, I mean, it is a thing, yeah. but I do think you are going with, I've seen a lot of this at chef cause you have your blue blazer yeah, blazer yeah. right there. It's like, I have noticed this a lot at uh, chef conf. It's like pretty much all of the people on stage have a t-shirt on, but then the blue blazer, mm. right? The people I think that are kind of like you that are yeah, sort of like, yeah. they're not really comfortable with this, like going hardcore t-shirt. So they have like the blue blazer on. And then you see some people come up full on t-shirt. They're like, no, no, I, I am what I we, am. We, I'm ready to go. So there is like a little, you'll, you'll you know, to, it's, I bet, were there emails on this? Were there emails on the no, blue? No, or no. Um, in discussion? Because uh, you'll have to watch the, the recorded videos uh uh, Jamie Windsor, the lead uh, architect for Habitat, mm-hmm. his talk yesterday, tank top. Oh, really? Oh, yes. <laughs> that's a, that's a, a good look. You see the gaming guy? Yeah, that guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did a good talk. Yeah. He had some good, good, funny stories about hacking games. I guess you watch the talk on that. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, before we leave the sartorial topic, I just like to use big words there. Uh, like, you know, I went, this is just about me. I think you look nice in that. So don't, don't take this. It's like I, I went through this period as an analyst where I felt like I needed to have a sports jacket and I was trying to counterbalance the, uh, the, I don't want to dress up in a button up shirt. I don't want to be in a suit 
And I definitely want to wear jeans because I had this little period early on where I wore non-jeans. And that's just like, I, I don't know. I, I just don't look good in good clothes, in my own opinion. Uh, and uh, so I had I went through several sports jackets and, and I liked them a lot. And then, and then I think, it, I mean, I like them because you got all these pockets up there. Yeah, you yeah. can put stuff Lots in, right? You can put your wire, you know, because you always need your chargers and you might have a, you know, as much as you want optimize it, you're going to have like about that size charging plug thing, right? Yes. We got, and then, and business, see, card and holders, business cards, sticker holders. And then if you're going to have all this podcast gear, where the fuck are you going to put that, right? Because the goal is obviously, the goal always, always is to appear that you don't have anything with you, right? You want to have that breezy kind of like, like what was the guy on Miami Vice, Sonny? You just sort of like, you just rolled out of bed, kind of like pet the alligator, combed your hair and put on your shoes with no socks and you just jump into the Ferrari. But, but you, you don't want to have a, a, a bandolier. Of yeah, you don't, you don't want to have a bandolier or a big backpack. Like you want to just, you just want to look cool, right? Mm. But then you got to have all your wires and your podcasting gear. So a sports jacket is a good way to like hide all that stuff yeah. in there, which I found really nice. But then... You know, I don't really know when it happened. Like, I still always felt awkward. Like, am I really a sports jacket person? Like, I don't think people, like, think I look like I should be wearing a sports jacket. And then I remember Kim said at some point, she said, what did, how, how did she phrase it? She said something like, aren't, aren't you a big enough deal that no one cares how you dress? <laughs> <laughs> nice. and, and I thought, like, yeah. I should embrace that, right? Like, because, you know, normally I wear, like, I'm not wearing it today, but I just wear, like, you know, Western shirts and, like, stuff like that. And so, like, I feel like I'll just... For maybe we could take Kim's mostly. advice and just go look slightly different way for everyone. It's yeah. like, just dress dress to your own style. That's exactly. really what it works exactly. out. Like, if you are comfortable in a yes. t-shirt, like, you're the CTO, Adam... J- what's that? Adam Jacob, yeah. yeah. Like, super, obviously, yeah. his thing is, like, a shirt. He's and then, always... Like, and then, like, yeah. a yeah. button-down, kind of, like, half I mean, I mean I, I, But you kind of see, like, that's, like... That's I bet him. you that's what he wears every single day of his life. Every and single then, day. And, you know, when he's up there, great presentation. And then, you know, when you're up there and you want... If you want to wear if you're, like, yeah. more comfortable as an SVP you know, in this thing, put the, the suit the, on, yeah. right? No, like, no, no, Just go who you are. And, 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 I like the Western shirt. Go with the Western And don't get me wrong. There's this part of me that's always thinking, I want to be that guy who is always wearing a sports jacket. Right. Like, you know, that guy, like at least he's somewhere in my mental history of like the culture of my life. Right. Right. And there's a couple of problems there. One, my wife won't tolerate that. I mean, she said things before, like (laughs) you look hot in that. Like she's one of these people where like you someone else's perceived suffering will cause her suffering. Right. Like so if, if you look hot, you're bothering me. Uh, and, and maybe, and I think one time she was also like, don't dress so formal. So that's kind of out. And then also I think like, obviously I buy the off the rack, $120 or below sports jackets. Whereas I would need one like tailored for me that fit. Cause you know, it never fits down here and like all this stuff. So yeah. I feel like maybe, maybe if it was like a second skin situation, cause a Western right. shirt is good cause it's bulky and you can kind well, of. Well, that kind of goes it. back to style, right? Like yeah. Some yeah. things fit people. And I think, you know, watching, we watched like been tons of keynotes. It's like, you kind of get a sense right away. Some have been good. Some have been, you know, you know, not as exciting. And it's like, but you get the people that are like super comfortable with themselves up there. Yeah. Yeah, and they yeah, normally, yeah. it usually correlates with their dress. That, like, that's they it. are dressed and it doesn't, they're yeah. not all dressed yeah. the same. Some yeah. are very, very casual. Some are definitely more formal, but it's just like whatever gets you feeling your, like, yeah. your, there, your best you is can, how you should always dress. There was right? clearly yeah. no memo, like how you must dress. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've gotten memos like that before. I mean, I mean, I've been in organizations that send out memos like that before that I promptly just delete, but like it is uh, that is a thing. And this is the first conference I've been where I've ever seen so many costume changes by kind of the MC. Nathan has yeah, been, yeah. I think oh, he's been through, changes. 
I would say at least 10 t-shirts, yeah. a suit, and then like this weird orange get up. You look at the video. <laughs> but I was like, this guy is working hard. I mean, I, there, there must be a quick change yeah, uh, Nathan, like thing behind the scenes. Nathan is uh, a very hard worker. Uh, you know, having previously been a community manager, it's exhausting to watch. Him. Yeah. Because like community manager is a hard job and yeah, yeah. you know, you get burned out and, and, uh, that man has a lot of energy. Yeah. He's a good guy. Also, I, 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 I feel like I should plug this cause some people, I got some feedback. He's from Annapolis, Maryland. Yes, so, is. you know, the open Maryland. Maryland that people <laughs> yeah, ask yeah. that no Maryland. Oh the, yeah. That's uh, the, that's the Northeast. So if you guys need to know where Maryland is, you can ask Nathan now. And, it, it, and from what I gather, he's online a lot. Yes. So feel free to ask. And him awake anytime. a lot. The dude, he was out till like four in the morning. He's rolling yeah. in at the nine a.m. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. All, all New England misperception uh, questions should be directed at Nathan. To Nathan, go to the Slack community uh, channel. Anyone can get in and ask Nathan. And I bet you, you know what? He'll be online and be yeah. willing to answer. You know, despite. Not sponsoring this podcast nor giving me a conference pass. He's a great guy. Oh, I've, I've, I've hung out with him many oh, times. Man. He's good. Like, yeah, yeah no, I, I agree. People. You guys are lucky to have have that yeah. dude running stuff. Well, we should wrap up because you have to go to a very important business meeting. I do. Are you going to wear your your sports jacket? I, I will. But okay. you know, when the guys uh, that I'm meeting with was up on stage wearing flip flops and sandals. So oh, you know, see now nice. that that is that's a whole. I, I think a lot. So you just, I think a lot about the the flip flops to the airport situation. Right. And I think maybe this summer I might try it on one trip to where the I got some of those. Uh, if you remember last year, Costco had these swim trunks <laughs> that were like they have like I like the swim trunks with the zipper fly. They're basically shorts made out of swim trunk material. This is all oh, so nice. I forget the brand, but I'm thinking like I should I should wear a pair of those shorts with flip flops. Just see how that goes for travel, because that seems like just with yeah, I mean that. See, see, that, that's how I'm like flip-flops. old school, because yeah. I'm I like, I think that's optimizing travel. People, I think I, that's I, harder. People Flip-flops. used to dress up to travel. Uh, no, 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 don't. No, I, I, I know, I know, like I, I know all of that stuff. This is more like this is more like an experience of like, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll try eating cow balls once, right? Like I, just to see, see what it's like, is. and I feel like I at least need to try out what the experience of, of like. We should do like vacation with the family. I do. Yeah. That is an opportunity to change up your travel wear because yeah, like you yeah. know, when you're lugging the family through the airport, you're gonna be slow anyway. So it's like, hey man, just try to like go with something different. And yeah. it, is, it is freeing though if you change up a little bit. I don't know. I don't flip flops though in the airport, which I've done. I just it's just a pain because yeah. like you're not as fast moving. I mean, my concern yeah. is your feet are gonna get cold on the plane. Yeah, you know, that's you're too. almost ready for Australia. Just leave the flip flops behind. No, <laughs> no, I, yeah, that sounds. I have good. never seen so many barefoot people yeah. in public. Yeah, it's one thing to it's like you know you're at the beach. It's Australia near the beach. Yeah. What about if you're at the mall? That's all they are. What yeah. if you're in a grocery store? Oh, yeah. I don't no, it's, 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 uh, a, it's, I don't know. A nation of, of, of Fred Flintstones. But so, you know, again, another aspirational thing, you know, we got the sunny, not sunny Bono, but sunny Crockett, you know, sort of lifestyle. Like, that's what I'm going Like I have these flip, my flip flops, like there is this, this lifestyle that's, that's locked up in there, which is, I have those reef ones that have the bottle opener. Underneath. Oh. And, and I feel like I showed this to my son the other day and he was like, can I get some of those? Right. Like Genius. it's just, and, and like the whole idea of those flip flops, cause he asked me why you would have that. And I was like, well, what if you were like at the beach a lot and you needed to open beer? Right. And that's, that's the whole idea of like, what if I could just carry my phone or just carry this thing? And it's sort of like, I could be at the beach in just shorts and maybe like a, a t-shirt and these flip flops and I could still drink bottled beer. Right. Like I would have, I would have that freedom and it's a, that'd be a whole lifestyle of like, I actually need <laughs> maybe these you are ready for Australia. Yeah. Yeah. Australia. Yeah. I like it. We could see it's so difficult to schedule podcasts though. Well, 
we should do our, our mid-roll thing before we get to recommendations. I'll, I'll only go over one mid-roll thing. Uh, well, I should go over two. So one, uh, June 7th, which distressingly uh, is, I should, is, is a week and a half from now. If you're in D.C., we'll be having a Cloud Native Roadshow where we'll go over a federal thing. Not New England, D.C. That's right. Close to Maryland. Yeah. If you're bucking with travel, well, that's go right. ahead. Virginia is the south. The south. <laughs> it's right. Mar- right. Maryland is Guys, the north. Right, right on the Just border. Just to let you know, if you're looking for cheap flights, you can find if, a VWI yeah. and still get to D.C. If, very if, if you go north of D.C., you're in New England. <laughs> And if you go south, deep south. There's, there's nothing in between. I did a quick aside. I know we're rabbit. We're, my brother was like, well, you know, down in the south. I was like, no, 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 no. I live in Texas. <laughs> when you say that, when you refer to us, you say Texas. That is, you that don't is, say and it's I, not the south. It's not the southwest. It's, it's not, not the southwest. It's, it's Texas. Yeah. So like, get that straight. So anyway, yeah. so for everyone, New England, Maryland, I don't want to say it again. Maryland is not in New England. <laughs> and Texas is not in the yeah, south. Yeah, it's like here it's in like, Texas. No, is, Texas is in not, the south, but it is not, not in the south. It, it, yeah, so I said, don't tell people, don't be like, hey, you're down in the South. No, you're not. Yeah. It's Texas, just like here like in that. Texas, iced tea, like no sugar, and we're, we don't have blue no tortillas with a fucking egg on top. That's right. No, that's that's two other areas. Yes. Anyways. So, yeah, we'll be, <laughs> this is good. <laughs> so, we'll be there. Uh, you should come to it. It's free, June 7th in DC. I'm going to go over a bunch of like agile practices stuff for large organizations. Then we'll have my buddy uh, Mark Heckler going over actual code. And then also, uh, uh, man, once again, I forgot to put the dates in. If you want to go to DevOps Days uh, Minneapolis, which I think is in one of the J months uh, coming up here, you should go to that. It's a great conference. Uh, I just looked at the worst promo ever. <laughs> I just, I just, I just looked at the, the the layout for it. It's they've got it arranged very nice. Lots of meeting rooms. There's good speakers, and you can get twenty percent off of that if you use the code SDT. Thanks to uh, Bridget for setting that up. But I mean, twenty percent off whatever it costs is probably like five dollars. I mean, it's more than that, but it's very cheap. And it's definitely worth your time going there. You, you got anything? ChefCon's coming up, right? Yeah, uh, it's no Conf. longer. I'm sorry, ChefConf. It's, it's no longer in the mid-roll because we're here. Yeah, we are here. So, uh, yeah, right I got, no, I got yeah. nothing lined up until uh, uh, RSA Conf in July, but that's in Singapore. No. Oh, I, don't, I don't have any codes for that. It's going to be hard. Yeah, and if you go see the show notes at softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 95, there's a few other conference discounts for like CF Summit and, uh, and Spring Days and other things like that. So you can check those out and also find out the actual dates of DevOps Days Minneapolis. So with that, with that why don't we have our recommendations? While I think of what I'm going to recommend, as always, well-prepared, what is yours, Matt? Right. Uh, so I have two recommendations. The first is... There's a, a documentary series podcast uh, called Containers. Mm-hmm. Has nothing to do with Docker, nothing to do with software. Uh, it is about the container ship industry, uh, the history of it, the people. It's good. Uh, it's good stuff. Good. It's uh, I, I've got like one episode left, I think. Um, you know, just a series of, of short, um, like thirty minute uh, audio doc- documentaries. Um, not a series, so it, it's over. Uh, and then um, my second pick is uh, I'm not done with this yet. And so I, I'm hesitant to recommend it knowing Cote's opinion of my previous book recommendations. <laughs> and I, I could tell this one could have Space trouble. carpets. It could have trouble <laughs> because it's, uh, it's Neil Stevenson. Uh, oh, yeah. Who, you know, he wrote uh, Cryptonomicon and Reem D. Seven and, Eves, right? Yeah, yeah. Seven Eves is the, the recommendation. Yeah. Uh, I'm not done yet. It's fucking long. I mean, so long. But yeah. go on. Uh, I'm not done yet, but I'm, I'm, I'm to the part where I know why some people did not like how it ended. Wait, how do you say that? Se- seven Eves? Seven Eves. Yeah, Seven Eves. Oh. I did read it. I, 
I'll say it's strong opening. It's I an mean, amazing it's like, opening. You're like, whoa. Then you're kind of like, oh, I think I'm ready. I think it's over. And then you're like, oh my gosh, we're just like halfway. Yeah, and so I'm, 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 I'm slightly so, past the. Oh it's my good gosh, though if you have like long because I listen to it on long international flights. Like when you have time, yeah. like you're like, wow, I had nothing to do. Go yeah. for it. And then when, when do you have time to read all these books? Don't you have you a listen, son? Listen, I do. I'm but do you listen while you work? Like like listen. the little dwarfs. I listen, I love. You like have I, a big lawn you mow. I don't like, know. What? I've had this conversation with my like. Listen, there's as I say the word. Listen, there. I don't really like to read. Like I don't. know. Some people love to read, and I'm really like, I mean, I can obviously read, but it's like audio is just like a world I love. So I just I, I like my both. my I like uh, brain is just like. But where, where do you find the time? I just I don't I don't have time to listen to podcasts, let alone like books. I'm yeah, time, man. podcasts I'm for me. I are, time. Yeah. You like drive to the office every day. You no, drive. but I do. I, I don't I have a long. Have to, I don't have a. Uh, <laughs> I have a long commute, but I I find time. I do find time. I, right, but I do right, like a lot right. of it has taken because um, you know I'm, this will sound like super intellectual and I don't want it to be. It's like but like you know TV kind of sucks. Like TV is just like I don't know. It's gotten really bad. So, so you don't watch. A lot I of find TV. myself oh. like gravitating more and more to like podcasts and audio. Like when I'm down, yeah, I have some yeah. like, downtime. Even over movies, unless some movies are really good. Because I just like the uh, I just like the format. So, yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of bored with TV at the moment too. I mean, I got to wait yeah. for the new things to come. Yeah, out. There's right. always something like I, I I've 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 seen the like golden age of television. But you just said lost. Like, so like wait for it. Game of Thrones. Yeah. There's lots of stuff that's going to come out. But it's like right now, it's, I don't know. I feel yeah, like, 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 like 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 to barge in on your your stuff as I always do. Oh, okay. Like 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 we started watching The Man in the High Castle finally. And and like so, we've gotten to the second season, and I'm getting the sense of like, oh, it's just going to turn into one of these shows. Yeah, right? like, that's like what it's, I've been it's told. Gonna like, so I never started it. It's going to like the first season was pretty good, right? But it's and then I tried to start watching this other TV show, like some BBC see, I'm thing. I'm going through Patriot, like you recommended. Yeah, see, yeah. that's a good show. Yeah. But but it's it's hard to find a show. Like I think I think I tried to watch. Uh, this one about Dutch Danish Vikings taking over north of England, and then they—I forget the name uh, of it—and they get this son. And and I watched like two and a half episodes, and I'm like, oh yeah, this is this is that show, right? This is the same show that's going to happen yeah. here. And it's just like, yeah. but there's still there's some solid stuff. And it's no, true. definitely, yeah. there's definitely solid stuff. But I but like, you actually I'll, you can get through it, and then you have your downtime. Yeah, right? but I would say like for example, like I've I had the same like Narcos was a show people loved. I just couldn't get into it. I've had the same thing with the high the in the high. High Castle, Tower. High Tower, whatever it is. Okay. But, I, but I, like, then you run into something like S-Town. You know, I don't know. We yeah, see, I didn't want to listen to S-Town. And it's like, I just thought S-Town. I was like, man, this guy's, they're breaking. They're just like created a whole new format. Of yeah, and it's like, I know how this is going to go. I bet it's really good. I'm it's sure. really good. But I just think, yeah, so it's yeah. okay. So okay. rather than, okay. that's where I'm getting my time. All right. All right. So with that said, so I'm going to So that's it. I'm going to read another audio Speaking of mowing the line. There you go. Um, this one is called uh, Everybody Lies. And the subtitle is Big Data, New Data. Uh, what the internet can tell us about who we really are. So this is a, an economist who basically analyzed tons and tons of uh, Google data, search data, and then you know produced a bunch of different mm. um, insights into like what people really are um, searching for and thinking. So it's sort of like a freakonomics, but think of it with all the internet based data, on data based on internet data. And you know, and his kind of the premise of it. And if you think about it, it's fairly true. Like um, you're maybe at your most honest when you're by yourself typing something into Google, mm, yeah. right? So, and then what does all that data really look like? And then what are the insights? And then you kind of, the flip side of that is you're probably at your most uh, 
like let's say most optimistic when you post something on Facebook. That's probably yeah, yeah, not yeah, like yeah. representative of your real life. So really interesting. If you're interested in like Freakonomics or that kind of behavioral psychology stuff and you want to see what it looks like on the internet, check this guy out. So so that does he use like didn't Yahoo leak a bunch of no, they actually provided a bunch Google of data Trend. which, yeah. so which then uses, accidentally could be correlated yeah, to individuals. AOL oh, that was AOL. AOL. And he talks about that, but he's um, pulling a lot of his data, maybe not all of it. Uh, from Google Trends, but he also like oh, okay, he has some okay. like you know keep. I guess that would be. We'll okay. keep it G rated. We'll just say that like, he also pulls data from uh, we'll call them adult sites, entertainment with, sites, uh, which gives also a very interesting look into like what the human psyche right. yeah. uh, is really looking for, and yep. it's sort of. Uh, and then, so oh, and again, then also you had the, uh, what was the, the, the okay Cupid? They did, they do some interesting. Yeah, analysis. yeah exactly. Yeah. So there's just like, and then he's just really exposing, uh, we'll see. any type of survey. Like if I was to ask you a question or anybody, right? Like we generally, even if I don't know you and it's anonymous, like just the act of like having to really tell somebody something true that yeah. you don't really want, you'll lie. Yeah. So like, that's what he says. Point is just like, when you're on the internet and you're just by yourself and you want to know something, you're you're at a very honest moment. So it's interesting Interesting yeah. to hear his analysis. That, that was my, my recommendation last week was a search fuzzer that just pushed searches nonstop through your browser. Oh, so to, just to like make you yeah, like yeah, what yeah, you're yeah. doing? Wow. Well. Yeah, and that, that ties to one of the things that's in the show notes about uh, someone broke through uh, Stack Over... They, they broke down Stack Overflow's um, oh, searches on yeah. VI, uh-huh. and they found that on yeah. average there are 80,000 searches to Stack Overflow a day on how to get out of VI. Yeah. And they break oh, yeah, it down yeah. like which countries are having the and hardest time They even have it like by out. hour, right? So by like, hour. Like it's, 80 per hour. It's, 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 like, it's an amazing it's article. It's hilarious. Is, isn't it, isn't it uh, colon Q exclamation mark? Colon W Q. Oh, W will save There's a bunch of them. And there's like Shift CZ. But, you know, Stack Overflow has your answers. Multi-mode editing. What an 80s mindset. It's just, that's ridiculous. VI, most popular. You might as well like go be a lawyer and use WordPerfect or whatever. (laughs) Emacs, no love here. There was actually a little bit of talk about at least on stage. Anyway, Coach, go. Well, I I have one genuine recommendation, two self-serving, and then one anti-recommendation because I want to drag this out. First of all, if you're like me and for some reason you made a dumb self-commitment to read all of Joseph Conrad's work, first, don't do that. And second, don't read Outcast of the Islands. Not, Not good. I finished reading it recently and like... I don't know. I'm sure there was a time and a place where it was a thing and like whatever, but it's just put like, on the shelf right next to Atlas Shrug. Yeah, you never just you, you want to make don't s'mores one those. night, burn don't it. Don't touch right? these like, books. I mean, don't burn it because that's like speaking of Anne High Castle. Bad just don't idea. read it. Yeah, just don't read it. It's just like it's just like it's, uh, not good. Not good. It hasn't aged well. We'll see how the uh, the whatnot of Narcissus is, which is next in line. Uh, second, speaking of elephants, that was on your cover, and I just thought of this. I, I read a short little book recommended by the uh, the Hot Milk people called uh, Elephant in the Room, and it's basically like a, a, the perfect size for a book, 60, 70 pages. I love it already. And it's basically like a gonzo accounting by some guy who's famous that I should know, talking about like uh, Trump people and Alex Jones, kind of like back in the late summer it's fall like, of 2016. Like Matt Taibbi or somebody like that? No, no, it's not Matt Taibbi. It's some English guy who did one of the first, Alex Jones's first film. Oh, okay. And he also did the uh, the Men Who Stare at Goats or yeah, whatever. Yeah. So he writes about just like crazy stuff. And uh, I don't know if, if you like Gonzo stuff like I do, like it's, it's a very, he's not, he's not like a Hunter Thompson Gonzo is very tame Gonzo, but it is a, it's, it's fun to like see someone experience. And I think it's a pretty truthful, but unbiased look at a lot of stuff. It's, it's interesting. And uh, that's where my owl thing was from. Uh, if you, if you're following along, we should, we really, someone needs to really start a wiki page where we decode all of our references. That would just be, we'd have arrived. 
Rap genius. Oh, rap genius. Genius. <laughs> Podcast genius. And then also I was just going to recommend, so I, I put my, uh, uh, my, the, my register column was on OpenStack. And, and I have to say, uh, I've kind of like gotten to the bottom of the barrel of what you would call... The comments? Ed, no, no, no. The comments <laughs> on this were very light. And they were mostly focused on uh, this, this still image from the seventh seal and identifying that movie, which is fine. Uh, but I've really gotten to the bottom of the barrel of low-risk things to talk about. I started off with the Java thing, which is just like that kicked up all bunch of shit. But OpenStack, always very risky to write about. So it would be interesting to see if, if my, uh, my take on it was accurate or anywhere near accurate. And then uh, I haven't posted this yet, but if you haven't subscribed to the, uh, the Cote Show podcast at Cote.show, one, for all the people used to like drunk and retired, Charles and I every two weeks, more or less, like record something there. And then also I haven't edited this yet, but I'm going to have an episode with this guy from Express Scripts, Brian Gregory, who's an actual end user. And uh, he's been on before, and I just talked to him about, you know, changing over a gigantic company IT-wise. And that's always interesting. He's, he's a good frank person uh, to talk about that stuff. So that's all I got. As always, anything else? Nope. It's weird being here in person. Well, thanks for listening. This has been Software Defined. I'll look directly into the camera. This has been Software Defined Talk. You can find us at softwaredefinedtalk.com. You should subscribe there to the RSS feed or in your iTunes or Overcast. And while you're there, I, we don't have any new reviews since April, so uh, you could write a review in there. I hear it's terrible and onerous to do, so that would show your dedication. In the post-apocalypse world, that will be remembered when we're trying to figure out who's on the train and who's not. So uh, the, the good train, not the bad train uh, that's just traveling. Like, what was that, Piercer? <laughs> yes. yes. I've never yeah. actually seen that movie. It's, no it's good. It's, it's yeah. a good movie. Yeah? Would you yeah. recommend that? Yeah, I would. Okay. Because yes. yes. that, that is in Netflix as a thing I haven't seen it's yet. It's good. Yeah. Go check that out. No bad trains. Only good trains. Uh, anyways, uh, you should write a review. <laughs> <laughs> and if you want to see the show notes for this episode, it'll be at Software Defined Talk slash 95, where you can find all the stuff and even more that we wrote about and some uh, discounts that we went over and the actual date of uh, DevOps Days Minneapolis. So now we'll figure out how to stop all these.